Welcome to episode 104 of the Ask a Chief show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing how to correct chest dumping forward during squats, quad straining during L-sit holds, and getting around shoulder pain during bench press. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 104. Um, listening back to the last episode, I actually reverted back to health, fitness, and business. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we still haven't come up with any sort of... Uh definitive intro new yeah. intro so it'll be in flux for it a little bit but, yeah. but bear with us for the intro nobody <laughs> since we started saying nutrition nobody sent a single nutrition question yeah. so maybe they're like sending us a subliminal message being like we don't really care Let's about nutrition like, right now health and fitness yes <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we just completely change it up yeah we go crazy but you still need to say burning because <laughs> People love it. <laughs> Even though episode one through like 15 was me rolling my eyes every time he did it. Every time. It every time. <laughs> bothered me so much and now I'm just used to it. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's see. It was zero degrees yesterday. Zero degrees. Probably the coldest day that we've had. Definitely the coldest day we've had of this winter. Dude. Reminded us why... We hate the winter. Yeah, Diesel, <laughs> our dog, has been so cold that he's just been like pulling himself to try to get back in. I'm like, you have to, you've got to do your business. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, so sad. Maybe we should get him some booties or something. But <laughs> well, we t- I tried to put, I feel like we tried to put socks or something on him once, and he was not he was, happy. He was not a happy camper about no. that. So, uh, I mean, he went this morning, but yeah. but last night he was not into it. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little pup. Um, all right. Yeah, do we have a, anything to go over? Something else, really. I mean, especially from a chief standpoint. Um, a lot of the major stuff has kind of um, passed, and so now we're kind of a, in a little bit of a lull, which is a good thing because we had a lot going on there for a while. Yeah, a good membership influx coming in for January. Yeah, January. We get a good uh, good little boost, but it's not like a... What's really cool about Achieve in January is it's not like Planet Fitness in January where <laughs> you're just getting like this crazy influx of people um, who... There actually maybe this is something good to talk about because I I hate seeing the negativity around like New Year's resolutioners yeah. in the gym. Um, it's so upsetting because it really does make people feel awful for even being there. Yeah, <laughs> like immediately they have this like great goal of trying to get healthy, trying to get fit, and then they have these people like rolling their eyes at them, calling them out on social media, like talking about how they're not gonna last, and it's just the most negative way for someone to start out on yeah, a fitness journey. Absolutely. Um, and so we, first of all, celebrate anybody who's going to the gym, whether they're joining a Planet Fitness, joining uh, Equinox, joining an Achieve type situation, whatever they're doing, like congrats on doing something for yourself and setting a goal for yourself. Like yeah, it doesn't absolutely. matter if it's in January or if it's in June, but the fact that January brings out the, like it has people take the time to reflect and say like, okay, this is actually something I really want to do this year. It's great. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's like, you know, even if 99% of people don't stick with it, like that 1%, like that's a big deal. And it's just, uh, you know, a a lot of fitness professionals tend to um, knock on New Year's resolutions as well. But, you know, it is a time in like culture where everyone seems to try to um, sort of have some time for self-reflection or at least try to do something um, ambitious. And to try to take away from that, I think, is just a really negative thing. Thing to do because even if it helps one person then we should just be all for it yeah, yeah. absolutely so cool. at achieve what i was kind of saying was it's a little because there's a little more that goes into a membership like it's not just join the gym for ten dollars a month and 
and use the equipment. There's coaching involved. There's a community. There's a whole aspect of coaches who are invested in you and your success. So people tend to not just join in January and then not show up. Like yeah. If they join, they're committed. It tends but, to be like doubly reinforced because of all yeah. the, uh, the support, basically. Yeah. yeah, so it's fun to it's fun to have a little influx coming in, and we love we always love getting to know new members and meeting people. Um, for me, lately, I've been like, it's been killing me that <laughs> I walk into the gym and sometimes I don't know someone's name because I have been out on maternity leave, so I'm trying to do my best to make sure I meet everybody because the, the number one thing when we first started six years ago, we were like, we will always know like all the names of all of our members. Yeah, <laughs> um, and really, I mean, for the first two years, we literally trained every session and wrote every single program, right. so we clearly knew everyone's uh, name, and then uh, you know, as we've gotten bigger and bigger, it's been increasingly more difficult, so we have to make sure that each time we come in, we always introduce ourselves to the new members and like just get to know them a little bit better. Um, but now it's like we, we we don't really do many of the initial intakes, mm. um, which is where we start to get to know a lot of people. And um, a lot of that has been taken care of by Sarah and Emily and Ariel. Um, and so now it's like, if there's three new people that have joined that week, we're like, oh my God, like we have to go like talk to so many more people. We have to find them. We have to <laughs> make sure we introduce ourselves. Yeah. Um, um, it was so funny. Michaela, one of our coaches was making fun of me at our anniversary party because I was putting, we were putting together a board um, that we just got to honor like our five year, five or more year members. So yeah. people who have been with us for five or more years. And I started like kind of putting them in a very particular way. And Michaela was like, <laughs> why are you spending so much time like putting these in order? And I was like, oh, I'm putting them in order from like, who joined when and she was like that was six years ago I was like this was my entire life like everything relied on like my survival our survival relied on every single one of these people signing up so I remember the day that each one of these yeah. people signed up and the order that they signed up in and she was making fun of me she's like how do you possibly know that and it was like 50 people and yeah. I remember them all <laughs> the yeah, order that they crazy. signed up in because it was just so monumental every time we had somebody sign up yeah we and would literally go home to our roommates and be like all right, we got another one. Got now another we're at member. 13. Yeah. And now we're at 15. And it's like our big number, I think at the time was around, it was like 32 or 33 or something. And that was basically our initial break even point. Yeah. Um, and obviously now it's a little bit, a little it's bit a higher. higher. <laughs> um, but that was our initial breaking point that we were just working so hard to try to get to. Um, and so every, every person counted at that point. Yeah. So anyway, um, that was a long little intro, but just some, some background yeah. stories for you. Um, so let's get into the questions. We have three questions for you today. The first one is from Lynch2787. And they said, question for the podcast. When doing squats, I have a hard time going straight down and often my chest falls forward. Is this a mobility issue? If so, how can I work on my mobility so I can squat properly? Thanks so much. Love you guys. And baby Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool question. Um, so... The big things that I'm looking at here, if someone is squatting down and they tend to let their torso sort of collapse forward, um, you know, a few things come to mind. It might be ankle mobility, um, it might be hip mobility, and kind of like later down the line, maybe T-spine mobility. And so one quick and easy way to tell whether or not ankle mobility is the main player here is to squat down and squat down with your heels elevated. So you can use like Olympic lifting shoes, you can squat down with your heels up on 10 pound plates, just something that gives you about two inches or so of elevation. And if you find that you can squat down really easily all the way down with your chest up tall, then more than likely it's an ankle mobility issue. Um, and I can link in the show notes um, some ankle mobility drills um, from a YouTube video we made um, that covers like the whole gamut of ankle mobility exercises. So I'll link that in the show notes. 
Um, if it's not that, if that doesn't seem to address it, then I would venture to say that it could be um, tighter hips. So maybe like a hip mobility thing. So um, what you would want to do here is probably work on some hip flexor stretches, maybe some quad stretches, um, just things like that that basically open up your hips a little bit more. And then finally down the chain is T-spine mobility. I'll also link that up in the show notes as well. We made a whole video on T-spine mobility. Um, but I, I would venture to say that it's more along the lines of ankles or hips. Yeah, if the way you can uh, decide or see if it might be T-spine, or sorry, the way that you can see if it may be hip mobility is if you get into an all fours position on the floor and you rock your hips back toward your heels, if you have a hard time breaking like parallel yeah. from that position because that takes your ankles out of the equation. So now you're you're not worrying about if your ankles are limiting you. You're just seeing how far you can sit your hips back toward your heels. So it's That's almost true. like yeah. an unloaded squat. And if you feel like you get pretty stuck, like before even 90 degrees, then probably your hips are what are tight and what are causing that issue. Yeah. Or even if you don't get stuck, but you feel like you have to tuck your hips or round your back in order to do it, um, probably it's more of a hip mobility issue. Yeah. And then for T-spine, if you feel like you can do, you can very easily do um, like a goblet squat or a double kettlebell front squat, things where you're holding weight in front of you and you can stay upright, but then as soon as you get your hands on the bar behind you, you have a hard time staying upright, then maybe that is a little bit more of a T-spine mobility issue because you're having a harder time getting your hands back into position. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. So just to go off of your ankle thing, like the different ways that you can test whether or not maybe it's going to be one of these things. Yeah. Also, when you're doing a back squat though, like there's so many things in play that it could be a combination of these totally, things. Yeah. Like it, and it also isn't always a mobility issue. It yeah. could also be a stability issue. So it could be that your core is not firing properly in a way that's going to support the bar and support the weight on your back. Um, yeah. And so you're jumping forward because of that. Yeah, it could be a technique thing. You could yeah. just like be just be uh, in a position where you're learning the lift for, you know, one of the first times and just difficult to control that. So it could be a matter of that. Um, but start with the mobility with and mobility. see yeah. kind of like where it goes. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Question number two is from Lambros Theodosio. <laughs> and they said, I want to ask you a question about L-sits. When I do that exercise, I feel some pain next to my quads, especially on the right leg. What do you think is the problem and how can I fix it in your opinion? You want to explain what an L-sit is? Yeah. So, well, there's kind of different variations. Typically, they're done on like a set of parallettes um, where you're kind of supporting yourself, um, holding on to parallettes with your legs straight out in front of you. So you're pushing into the parallettes and you're sitting with your legs pointed out in front of you. Um, and your body's like your hovering body's off the floor. Hovering, yeah, so your yeah. body is in an L position, basically. Yep. Gymnasts can do it from the floor. So they actually just sit on the floor with their legs straight out in front of them and their torso upright and they push their hands into the floor and lift their, <laughs> lift their whole body off the floor. That's incredibly difficult. So most people do it either on like a pair of laps or you can do it on a, on a pair of dumbbells mm -hmm. to try to like give yourself, make it a little bit more challenging. Um, you can also do it on like hanging from the rings. Yeah. You can do it that way. Yeah. So basically it's getting your legs, your legs are straight and your hips are at a 90 degree angle. Yeah. Yeah. So basically you're in this sort of like L sit supported position and when that happens, it places a lot of demand on your hip flexors. And often people just aren't really ha equipped with that sort of hip flexor strength to keep their legs in a totally straight fashion up in the air. And so what happens when a muscle is required to do a job, but isn't necessarily equipped for that job, it needs to start to recruit other muscles to uh, come into play to help it out. But because those other muscles 
aren't primary muscles for the thing it's trying to do, it ends up becoming, it, it ends up being in like kind of like a trying to fire in a weakened position or a less than optimal leverage position, and it ends up cramping up. So in this case, your quad is cramping up because your hip flexors aren't doing enough of the work to actually hold your legs up in place. Another example is when people um, pull their hamstrings. Um, a lot of the times it's because their glutes are not firing enough to help out their hamstrings and their hamstrings start to take over and then they pull their hamstrings. So that's another example of how another muscle trying to compensate and come into play to help out another muscle can potentially cramp up or sprain. So um, what we would recommend here is not necessarily just like hip flexor strengthening exercises, but actually just bending the legs a little bit. That reduces the lever, that makes it a little bit easier on your hip flexors, and then you hold from there, and then over time, as you get stronger and stronger, you're able to lengthen out that lever again over time, and then your hip flexors will be a lot better prepared. It's just when you start off with like totally legs straight and try to hold that position, right? Yeah, exactly, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say start with both knees tucked in completely and just work on the holding portion of it. Just yeah. like your upper body and your core trying to work to hold yourself above the ground. And then eventually what you can do is start to straighten your legs out slowly, or you can go one leg at a time. That's another way to yeah, do it. Totally. So keep one knee completely bent and one leg out straight. That makes it so that it's just not so much weight out in front of you that you're not holding both legs out in front of you. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit of an in-between. And then eventually going into like shorter holds. So you can do like a five second hold for four reps or something like that. And yeah. then work up to longer duration holds. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you can also throw in hip flexor exercises. Like I don't want to say that they're not gonna be effective. Yeah. Um, so hip flexor strength and, strength and exercise is like, you could be um, on your back with a mini band around your feet and both legs could be straight out down towards the floor and you can flex one leg up towards your chest. That could get your hip flexors involved. Um, sometimes we post core exercises where you're in a plank position and you tuck one knee up, um, often resisted by a mini band of some sort. Um, that's one way to strengthen hip flexion in a good position. Um, so yeah, you don't want to neglect that, but I would say the, the primary thing that we would do in this instance is just to bend the legs a little bit and then use proper progressions after that. Yeah. Cool. All right. And then the last question is from GB True, and they said, I hurt my shoulder doing flat barbell chest press. Do you have exercises to work around the injury and exercises to help the injury? So yeah, this can be common if people aren't setting up properly in the first place. So if you're getting get, getting ready to bench press, you lift the bar off the rack and you lower it down towards your chest, but you're not concerned about your shoulder position, then you could potentially put your shoulder in a more vulnerable position. And what a vulnerable position looks like is allowing the shoulder, the front of your shoulder to roll forward as the bar descends down towards your chest. And when that happens, that sort of like forward roll that puts a lot of pressure on your the front of your shoulder, your biceps tendon, and it just puts things in a weakened position. So the main thing that we always tell people right before they bench press is to keep their chest up and the shoulder blades pulled back. Like at a very root level, that's what you try to strive for as you lower the bar down towards your chest. Yeah, and another way, there's like a bunch of different ways you can visualize that. Another way to visualize that is thinking about getting your shoulder blade into your opposite back pocket. So when you're setting up into the bench, it's kind of like your shoulders are down and back. So they're pulling yeah. down toward your opposite back pockets. Um, and if even if you can do it sitting and you can feel that your lat muscles in your back kind of turn on and yeah. it keeps your shoulders pulled back and like Jason said, your chest open. So mm -hmm. thinking about chest open, shoulders down and back is definitely 
step number one before you even start to lower the bar down. Yeah, I like chest open actually. That's that's probably a better cue. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you want to note is that a lot of people, especially on social media, uh, if they don't power lift, they tend to demonize um, arching of the back, mm, right? And yeah. actually, as long as you have an arch that's supported by both your upper back and your lower back, so not just your lower back, then it's a totally safe position. And in fact, that arched position allows your shoulder blades to even um, be further pulled back and allows your chest to be even more open and just keeps your um, shoulders in a safe position as you go through the bench press. So yeah, I would actually say that the arch should be a should be a result of your shoulders being down and back. Mm, yeah. um, I mean, later on down the line, if you're more like advanced, you might more intentionally put an arch in yeah, your back. Yeah. But in the beginning, don't worry so much about creating an arch. Think more about getting your shoulders down and back and then let your back get into an arch position yeah. due to the fact that you're getting your shoulders into a good position. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, just kind of like as a result, subsequently, it kind of like arches. Yeah. And then, yeah, if people end up competing, they'll do a lot of measures to increase that arch more and more and more. But that's more of a technique to limit the range of motion than it is to keep their shoulders in a solid position. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably the number one thing to go and, and check out. If there's still an issue where the shoulders seem to be a little bit compromised, um, you know, then we might put in some shoulder stability work. Like we might throw in like farmer carries, or we might throw in some specific band work like band Ws and band pull-aparts, like shoulder stability drills um, that we like to use. Um, and then finally, there might be um, an issue of shoulder internal rotation mobility. Um, I think that's probably a little bit too difficult to discuss really via to <laughs> via the podcast, um, but maybe I can link up something uh, as, as a drill that can help you out there as well. But more than likely, 80% of the time, the reason why shoulder pain is happening is because they're not set in a proper position, proper position right from the setup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of answers I it. I think that's about it. Yeah. You know, an another thing that would really help is actually making sure to not use like too heavy of a load initially while you're trying to practice this, this technique, but go lighter, maybe go about 70% of what you normally do and practice a slow lower. Practice about three to four seconds on the way down and really focus on squeezing your shoulder blades tight and really focus on your back muscles activating as you're quote unquote pulling the bar down. Now, obviously you're not like, obviously pulling the bar down, otherwise you plus gravity is gonna make the bar like <laughs> crash into you and break you in half, but pulling by activating your back muscles and controlling the bar on the way down, you're gonna feel just really solid, really strong, and with a good foundation for you to then push back up against. Yeah, you'll watch, if you watch um, professional powerlifters or even just somebody who you know who's a, who has a lot of experience with bench pressing, you'll notice that they don't let the bar come down fast. Yeah. The, and you think it's counterintuitive, like the slower you lower down the bar, the, the, the slower, longer yeah. the process is gonna be and you'll lose you'll lose tension, you'll lose muscle, whatever. But if you if you let the bar crash down onto you, it's so much harder to restart that press from the bottom. Yeah. You um, lose all your just like your tension you lose basically. Tension. Yeah. yeah. So there's you don't do like a professional powerlifter isn't gonna do a five second lower down, but they are gonna do a very controlled lower down. Yeah. And you'll see it just barely tap their chest and then they, they work hard on the way up and they go for maybe speed on the way up, but never going for speed on the way down. So really thinking about control on the way down and then press hard on the way up. Yeah, a good analogy I heard from uh, Pavel from Strong First was that it's kind of like you're loading a spring. Mm. And so you wanna load a spring by like crashing down on it, but you just slowly crank down the spring until it's all the way coiled 
and that gives you a lot of just built up tension, a lot of built up stored energy that you can use on the way back out. Um, so that's one way to think about it. Cool. All right. Well, I believe those are all the answers to your burning questions for today. Thank you so much for sending those in. And if you have more questions, we may do another Q&A fairly soon, or you can just send us questions on, uh, Achieve, I mean, on Instagram at Achieve Fitness Boston. Um, and if you wouldn't mind leaving us an iTunes review on iTunes, <laughs> that would be super helpful as well. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.